Okay, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals. We are not licensed therapists or counselors. We are people that have had our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these topics. In this episode, I have an incredible conversation with David Delahaz of the band Bellhaven. Um, huge shout out to him for making the time to have this conversation with me and having such a long and open conversation with me. Um, it was a really great time uh, for me personally, and I think it's going to be something that a lot of people can relate to um, and hopefully take some inspiration from or, you know, take some, some building blocks to put into their own toolkit on how to uh, deal with a, a number of different um, struggles. And in this conversation, we talked about depression, suicide attempt, um, body dysmorphia, anxiety, and so much more. And again, David was such a, a great conversation, um, really, you know, put himself out there and was vulnerable um, with this conversation. So I, I do really appreciate that. And I hope that you guys do too. So I want to just jump right into this. Uh, let's dive into this conversation that I had with David of the band Bellhaven. Yeah, awesome. So to kick things off, let's start with the the boring ass introduction question, man. Who are yeah. you? And just a little background on yourself. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> um, I am David. I sing in a band from Australia, would you believe it? Um, <laughs> called Bellhaven. Um, so we're actually on tour with Red Hook at the moment we've got yeah. like a couple of days of downtime which is you can't see but like to the left uh to the right of me pardon me is just like piles of merch and like yeah. other you know gear and like whatever um but yeah that's me that's my deal david from bellhaven yeah awesome so uh to kick off let's talk a little bit about the the red hook tour because it's it's red hook it's uh bad love you guys and grenade jumper yeah. um unintentionally i think some of the most vocal people about mental health in australia as well you know every one of you have written songs about it you've been it, i i hate starting off with this but you literally cut out like halfway through it popped up internet connection unstable right as i started <laughs> and i was like oh shit um, i want to say that it was you and not me but i live in australia so it was probably me <laughs> right yeah, it's all good um at least you told me i i had one band that was more local to me that didn't tell me that my video froze halfway through one time and i was stuck in this dumb fucking pose the whole time so uh, uh, did they like wing their way through the question as well i was i was yeah. contemplating it i was like yeah. do i just like roll with what i heard and no, just see no, how I'll, I'll repeat it totally fine um so with the the lineup being as as open and vocal and having similar song content in that it's you know based around mental health what's mm -hmm. it like walking into that kind of environment and like prepping for a, a tour that you don't have to really worry 
because you know it's a safe space to talk about the things that you've talked yeah. about. Um, I actually tweeted something like it was like the first couple of days into the tour, which uh, I, you know, it was a, a thought I just couldn't shake, which is just how profoundly comfortable and safe I felt within the package. Yeah. Um, and like personally, I'm very lucky as well in that um, I went into this tour like personally knowing a lot of the individuals working on the tour, even, uh, you know, Red, Red Hook's um, sound engineer for the tour, his name's Brock, um, you know, Bell Haven's worked with Brock, you know, on, on many, just like we've ended up on tours that he's right. doing sound for many times. And, you know, I've, I've known Emmy for a very long time and Ned who plays bass in Red Hook. I've known, we've all known for a very long time. Um, Bad Love as well. Like, the, you know, these guys are like the drummer from Bad Love, Weebs, is the mm -hmm. drummer from my other band, Wither. So there's just a lot of like, um, we all, the, the only sort of connections we, pardon me, the only connections we didn't really have were um, Grenade Jumper. But even then, our, our uh, photographer for this tour had, went into this tour speaking incredibly highly of grenade jumper and and she knows them or knew because they're both from sydney right. um she she knew them pretty well through the sydney music community so we all just kind of came into it i came into this uh just immediately like that first load in man and it was like uh, uh sunshine coast i think some venue i'd never seen i'd never played there ever and we're like loading in and everybody's just we're supposed to be carrying gear, but we're like stopping halfway, just, you know, halfway through the door just to like stand there and chat for like five minutes and like the whole time. And I, I realized after loading in, we're all just laughing and hugging and, and I was just like, damn, like this is a very safe and comfortable tour. There's like, you know, there's group chats where we're constantly checking up on each other and making sure everyone's happy ned yeah. is constantly making sure all of us support bands are, are very comfortable and, and and you know aware of everything that's going on um, which is really really nice um so yeah it is very very much a safe uh, yeah I, I like i don't i don't really know how else to how how else yeah. to phrase that it's just a very safe and comfortable and secure like i you know what good good little anecdote is like in perth i had a bit of like a panic attack just some stuff sort of happened not a big deal but i just had my i got a bit heightened i was a bit stressed so obviously mara from Bellhaven has known me for a very very long time so immediately he's on it you know same with tom they're both texting me making sure i'm all good and i was just like oh you know i'll just have a bit of space brie our photographer checking on me making sure i'm all good and then lo and behold monty from bad love who i've known for like a decade but you know we don't hang out every day or anything but we've yeah. known you know we've, we've been uh, same sort of circles for a long time um and he came up to me when i was at the merch desk maybe halfway through the night and he's like hey you look a bit glum like are you all right do you want me to get you a drink or like do you want some water and i was just like damn I, how how can i be glum everyone's so damn nice like i'm so safe here like yeah. i'm so so like i feel so reinforced and and protected it's it's really a, a privilege yeah it's really really nice we're very lucky and grateful to be i i sent the uh, a group chat with that with all the bands in a, a text yesterday i was like hey can we only ever exclusively tour with these four <laughs> bands it's like if somebody wants to book red hook overseas they have to bring bad love grenade jumper and Ballet as well like it's part of the deal oh i wish it, it'd be dope it'd be dope uh I think, emmy and i talked about you know getting to the states for them is you know kind of one of their their next tier goals 
Yeah. And uh, just because of fucking how expensive it is and everything, I yeah. joked with her that I was God. like, I go, honestly, it's probably cheaper for me to come see you in Australia or like mm-hmm. on your UK tour than it is for you to get to the fucking States. It is. And also more guaranteed. Like if you buy right. a flight and, and a ticket to the show and some accommodation or come crash with me, like you're good. Like right. if you, if, if I want to go to the States now, we've toured the States before, but it was a lot easier back in like 2015, yeah. 16, a lot has changed since then. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was also talking with Emmy about it the other day. Um, and yeah, it's like, you've got to apply for all the visas, which is just like, yeah and like what what band these days has that money <laughs> like we're, we're also broke from touring as it is um and then you've got to like just fingers crossed that the visas go through like and then they were telling me about a particular band i can't remember who it was now for the life of me but um they'd booked this massive headline us tour and literally like a week or so out from the tour like i'm paraphrasing i can't remember the exact decimals here but something to that effect was pretty close um all of the members of the band had their visas go through except the singer so they had to cancel the whole tour they just canceled the tour like this whole like 30 date australian uh, american headline tour it's like oh i'd cry i'd definitely cry (laughs) well and how could you not you know and it's like not that not that anybody in the band is expendable right no, but like no, no. <clears throat> it, if anybody was it's not the fucking singer yeah is it, yeah exactly you can't what are you gonna do put put the singer on the backing track like this right. <laughs> it's not gonna happen well, like, again uh, not that not that you guys especially even would want to tour without you know the guitarist or, or yeah, a drummer or whatever not. but i can go hire somebody to do yeah. those jobs i can't yeah. hire oh, you, a singer yeah i mean make you it can work. but it's not the uh, same thing <laughs> no well that's you know it's the whole like I'm I'm the one engaging with the audience, like well, right. you know, verbally like interacting with the audience and stuff. It's like the whole t- I set the whole tone for the the Bellhaven show. So I can't imagine uh, like I know heaps of great singers who would do a fantastic job, but like yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like having you know having the right uh you know front person setting that tone for your show and your performance is pretty integral. I think to most bands. Yeah, <laughs> I think for sure. Um, so yeah, what a nightmare, right? Like jeez. I just looked it up. It's uh, the band is called Pond. Um, there you go. The that and it literally just happened. Uh, there. Well, okay. Six so days ago. Was, was yeah. Six, wow. Okay. Yeah. Six that days makes sense. Because it was so, in, insane. In so yeah, it would have been like five five days ago they were telling me about it. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's, that's grim. That is really grim yeah. and unfortunate. That is Pond Australian. I'm not sure if I'm yes, familiar with. They're them. they're yeah, an yeah. Australian psych band apparently. Grim. That is um, so grim. Oh. They were supposed to apparently supposed to kick off in Nashville on Friday, and then, damn, no, no visa. And it, you know, like you said, ten years ago—not even ten years ago, but ten years ago—coming over to the states wasn't as big of a deal because it wasn't the P two visas. It wasn't, mm. you know, there was so much more leniency to a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and I think we were moving, unfortunately, in this direction anyway, but COVID didn't help the situation. They no. ramped up everything as far as that. And it's, yeah. it is so bizarre to me, though, because it's 100% true that, like, if I legitimately tomorrow, if I was like, cool, I'm going to fucking fly to Australia, I can do it with yeah. little to no issue. Um, but for you guys, it's three to six months of planning 
yeah. tens of thousands of dollars and yep. a wish and a prayer. Like it's insane. Yep. That's that's not even including, you know, like the flights and stuff. Right. <laughs> the accom- you know, that the RV or whatever that you're gonna have to hire to travel around in. It's it's really odd to me as well. Like um, I think I was talking it was either like Craig or or Alex from from Red Hook who I was chatting about it with at the table, but they were expressing to me, and I agree, it's like it's so bizarre that it is so difficult for bands because like, and look, we're obviously biased because we work in the industry, but it's like when, when Bell Haven toured America, we did, we were in like, we were in the red, like the right. whole time in the red, Not, you know, every merch sale helped, but we like, we're a small band, small band, Norma Jean, who was the band that brought us out. It was very much like we toured with them in Australia. We really got along super well. And they were like, doing us a solid and right. like, you know, bringing us out to the States cause, cause they liked us. Um, and it, it very like, not that we were undeserving, but like the, we definitely weren't deserving of a large paycheck either. Right. Like we were, you know, very, very small fry. Um, so we were like constantly in the red, like the, the whole time. And it's like, really, if you like, I'm sure maybe there's a lot more to it than than little old my brain can can comprehend but it's like we played 30 something shows those shows were for the most part like packed at least like at least you know probably minimum 250 300 people like for some of the smaller shows and then because norma jean are, are pretty big um and there's just like so many people going through these venues, buying alcohol, buying tickets, like the the headline act, the headline act is a US act. So the money is going into a US like business. It's like for, for, for the most part, it's like, it's, it's really interesting to me. And like I said, maybe short-sighted and maybe biased because I'm in it, but it's really interesting and almost like seems nonsensical to me that it is so difficult because like, a band like yours truly, for example, have quite a profound US following for, a, yeah. you know, for a relatively big picture wise, relatively small, like alt Australian band, yeah. <laughs> got quite a strong US following. And it's like for them to tour over in the States, they're going to be bringing so much business to US businesses. So why is it so profoundly difficult for, for such a small band that's going to have such a like such a yield for us businesses like why is it so difficult for them why do they have to like throw so much money into it in the first place like give us a handout man come on it's because as an american i'll say it it's because our government is fucked all right (laughs) you're you're gonna know more than i do for sure we're we're trillions of dollars in debt so we gotta steal money anywhere we can (laughs) uh better steal it from the small aussie bands that'll do it like yeah No, I, I uh, truly don't get it either because I, I've often thought the same thing. Like, even if it was a fully Australian package that came over and was touring, yeah. like it's still American venues. It's still American gas stations. It's still yep. American yep. hotels. Right. Whatever. Amer- yep. American RVs, like American buses. Uh, like that's exactly right. Our crew for the most part, like a lot of, like when we toured the States, our driver was American. Cause we weren't in hindsight, yeah. it's a bit silly now because it's pretty much just like driving in Australia just on the other side of the road. But yeah. anyway, we were like, oh, I don't want to, you know, we're driving an RV and we don't want to like misunderstand the road rules and yeah. stuff. So we had like a US driver who was awesome. We had like a US driver. So a lot of our crew was US as well. It's like so, yeah, it's, there, there has to be either something I'm missing or it's literally just what you said and the government's just cooked. <laughs> or 
it's kind of lost a bit of both maybe i don't know it's probably a little bit of both but i i truly believe that you know we've not made the best not that we need to make this a super political uh podcast but <laughs> <Let's> we've, not, <laughs> we've not made the best political choices over the last like eight years uh so there've been a lot of laws that have changed and immigration concerns and stuff like that and it's like mm-hmm. I, on one hand obviously we can all understand it like if you're going to come into a, a new country like do it legally and through the proper channels but yeah. at the same time like whether we're talking immigration gun laws whatever it is like criminals are going to be criminals regardless so yeah. i don't understand how you think that you know making this law is going to stop that crime from ever happening like yeah murder it's, it's very murder has been outlawed for hundreds of years and it still happens every day so you tell me how that works <laughs> yeah it's really bizarre it is it really is really bizarre. insane but you know that's america for you we did prohibition you know back in the the 20s and 30s and mm. we had to shut that down because uh well bootleg runners <laughs> turned out that wasn't a great idea so jeez oh, crime is going to be crime um, look well you've got a spot over here in in australia if you want to get a bit of a break from it like i'm sure we'd all love to have you like you know in all seriousness i've i've joked but i don't know that i would ever like leave america fully yeah, but Australia yeah. is one of like three countries that I would really consider setting up a, a new life in. You know, uh, I hear that a lot. I think doesn't is it Bert McCracken from the U's lives here now? I <laughs> think, and he's yep. he's American, isn't he? Yeah, sure he's American. Yeah, so he lives. I'm pretty sure he lives in like Bondi or something. I don't know. I think so. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I take it for granted because obviously I've lived here my whole life. But it's pretty great. That's pretty yeah. awesome. I've been I've been to Japan. Japan's really awesome. Japan's sick. If there was any other place I'd leave, it'd probably be Japan. But um, yeah, we got it pretty pretty good over here. If, if if we can just get on top of like the road rage a little bit and like just constantly wearing open toed footwear everywhere, especially then... with the fucking animals that you guys have, right? Like <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, actually, it is in some places. Yeah, yeah. depends but... on how far into the bush you get or how close yeah, to it. it. But like. The snakes um, and, and spiders that I've seen from y'all. Yeah, there's I'm not some, scared there's of them, shoppers. but fuck off. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the a lot of the wildlife that we see here that's so profoundly intimidating is actually so harmless though. Right. Like so dumb harmless. Like we've got some I remember when I was a kid, I was like still living with my parents. I woke up in the middle of the night, I was sleeping on my single bed looking at like my bedroom wall and I had my eyes open, obviously not sleeping. So I did not tell that story probably. I was not (laughs) sleeping. I had my eyes open and in the dark, I saw some weird murky dark shadow on the wall and I thought I was just being a kid, having a bad dream or something. But I like turned my lamp on and there's this giant, like as big as my palm is now, like this giant huntsman, like crawling up the wall. So me being like 13, I just like freaked. And I like, as I stood up, out of the like jumped up out of the bed my blanket brushed the spider and it like jumped off the wall and then like i i kid you not it like hovered it like spread its body out and like right. glided down to the, and i was like i hate this but huntsmen's are actually like incredibly gentle and very like like uh like just fr- like they're very scared very timid right so we have this natural inclination to be so terrified of them but really they just don't the only reason they'll ever, you know, arc up at you, if you will, is 
is if you really poke them and prod them enough. Like otherwise, they're just going about their business eating flies. So these days, I try to leave them if we end up with huntsmen around, which we don't hear very often actually. But if I see them, I just sort of let them eat their flies. They're pretty harmless. But that's yeah. the case with a lot of Australian wildlife. It's like it looks worse than it is. Like it looks a lot worse than it is. Yeah, and huntsmen do get a bad bad rap because of how yeah. big they are. But they are the amount of venom that they put out is not even harmful to fucking humans so it's not a big deal um but you know there's no reason that a spider needs to be that big either so no it's it's just or hairy like just don't how about just don't shave i don't know (laughs) it's it's absolutely insane and then like the other ones are like things that would never happen you know like walking through the bush and having a koala drop on your face like it, it's not going to happen i've heard it does a little bit but yeah, like drop bears or whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> doesn't happen but it's like super fucking rare and they're not oh, even no, like we, that violent like um, this is going to sound so stupid especially because i've been to the states but am i an idiot for asking if if like does america have magpies is, is that a thing in america yes. yeah okay cool okay so do, do your magpies like attack humans <laughs> like they do that here a lot in, they just don't in like certain us. areas yeah in yeah. certain areas for sure and like it it's so bizarre like it's wildlife we're all bigger than now if we had fucking elephants or something sure whatever but <laughs> hey it's australia man Everything's yeah, possible. But, but like we don't have lions and tigers and and stuff in america just roaming the streets or anything yet we're yeah. like this spider that's the size of a fucking quarter. Oh no, I'm not fucking going near that. You know, yeah, it's so bizarre, but oh, you know, I, I think it all goes back to, you know, kind of like what you just said about being a child, like we're ingrained from such a young age through mm-hmm. media and other people and whatnot, that there's this innate fear built into us. Yeah. There's, there's something, I'm pretty sure there's something like, um, <clears throat> what's the word i'm looking for uh it's on the tip of my tongue uh like evolutionary about it is something yeah. i think we've just sort of uh, over time like you could put a a 32 year old and then like a like a 32 year old man and then like a an eight-year-old like little child in front of a huntsman spider and they're both going to be like eh. <laughs> like the same amount they're both yeah. gonna be like eh. it's just like so ingrained in us like from yeah any age like it's so ingrained um yeah. don't even get me started on those freaks that that like spiders i don't want to talk about that we gotta move we gotta move on man yeah, yeah. no I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that like one of my cousins growing up had a couple uh fucking tarantulas and he would take him out of the fucking cage and let him crawl on him. And no, I'm like, yeah, no, no, man. Put him back in the cage, man. So, uh, oh. Weebs, the drummer from Bad Love, who's also in my other band with her, he um, loves snakes. He loves snakes. Um, and we shot a music video for Wither. Um, and it came out sick. I love the video. If you, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's a lot heavier, though. But, like, uh, Use Me by Wither. It's, like, such a dark, like, kind of real moody video but we i had to do all these shots with weeb snake on me just me sitting on like some couch with like black blood coming down my face like looking down the barrel looking i had to look menacing and insane right. all the while inside i'm going 
but it had to look real tough. So I'm like miming and I'm like, you know, like real tough to the camera. And then in between takes, I'm like spitting out this ick, thick black blood. And I'm like, ah, get the snake off me. Is he going to bite me? I'm scared. Like, it was so funny. So funny. The things you don't see. Is- yeah. well, and, and the misconception on snakes. I don't know why we're making this a, a nature podcast now either. But fucking- yeah. <laughs> the misconception on snakes that like, oh, snakes are all fucking slimy and shit. They're not. No, they're not at all. They're not, they're not slimy at all. It's fucking weird having one crawl on you, but it is Ooh. not slime at all. Yeah. I just feel like I can't read a snake. Like I can right. read, I can read a dog. I can read a, a, like a crocodile. I could read yeah. a kangaroo. I can tell whether I'm all good or whether I, for the most part, I can tell whether I'm all good or if I'm not safe, but a snake, it's like, they're just like, yeah. And then out of nowhere, they just bite you. Like, yeah. you, like they just have nothing short of a rattlesnake. Yeah, you know, like yeah, true, the true. one snake that has a, a actual warning. Yeah, poor but design, like, by the way. Poor design. Terrible design. <laughs> terrible All right, I want to get that rabbit. Yeah, I'm gonna. So now I'm gonna make this rattle. Like, I don't know. It's fucking stupid. Nature's so weird. Nature's so weird. <laughs> it is. Oh goodness yeah. gracious. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> where were we? I don't know. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your your journey with mental health. Uh, maybe it started at thirteen when you had the huntsman spider. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it. That was the uh, trigger. Um, uh, I wish no, it was that simple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's dive in a little bit to you know just kind of when things started for you and when you started recognizing and being able to like self identify that okay something's a little off like maybe this needs addressed. Um. I was oblivious for a very, very long time, um, despite being like, uh, I mean, I should have seen the signs probably like early adolescence, even like in hindsight now. And after having done a lot of like childhood trauma work with my therapist, mm-hmm. like obviously I can see the, um, see the impact that experiences I had even, you know, in my single digit age, you know, like eight, yeah. nine, that sort of stuff. And I can really see how much that, severely impacted um my personality and the way that I cope with feelings of like rejection and, and stuff like that now. Um but I honestly <clears throat> after high school um you know I was uh very unwell and I was admitted to a psych unit for a while and stuff and I was the only person that I that uh, certainly the only person from my school like I remember I, I got a job at a pizza restaurant shortly after that because I was unemployed for ages. And one of the guys at the restaurant I went to school with and he was, he came up to me and he was like, I told my older brother that you started working here. And I was like, Oh, I remember that guy. Like, I, I, you know, and I was like, Oh, you know, Max or whatever his name was. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, Oh, do you mean David? The guy that like after high school, like flipped out and like went to hospital. And, so, and it was like, it, it, despite it being something that was quite, unusual for wherever I came from I still didn't really pick up on how troubled I was um until like yeah maybe like yeah maybe like early 20s honestly like that was when I sort of started being like man like I like I can't operate the same like i just cannot operate on the same level as 
as you know as a lot of my peers and a lot of my family and I, I have to be nurtured a lot more and like you know really started but by then like a lot of, yeah yeah just a little bit too like it's not just click of a finger like oh okay i'm dysregulated cool next time i'm having a panic attack i'll just stop doing that like it's not really how it works which is what so, everybody says emmy and yeah. i talked about that like how unfucking helpful is it when i know like oh know. you're just having a bad day don't think about it like yeah which I if know. i could stop thinking about it i wouldn't yeah. be in this position in the first place like i understand i understand like yeah some people haven't had this same sort of exposure as well so they, they sure. might not know, really know how to navigate it quite as well but um yeah there's a there's a I had a friend and he's, you know, they're still my friend and I, I love them very much, but perfect example of what you're talking about. So I've, I've suffered with body dysmorphia a lot in my adulthood. Um, and I was talking with this particular friend um, and, you know, they used to be in some bands, but not now I just sort of know them through like World of Warcraft and stuff. And they yeah. were like, um, we're talking about the body dysmorphia stuff. And it was a conversation we'd never really had before. And, uh, paraphrasing but it was something to the effect of like oh man i just don't get it like firstly you look great and secondly like you know you, you only have one body like you, you just love it and i know that he like this person meant really well in what they were right. saying but it's like what oh you're right oh i'm good now thanks man. Yeah. like what, are you, what am i supposed to say to that it's like i've had so much therapy over the last like couple of years like so, so much therapy and i'm doing so much better with that sort of stuff than i ever have in my entire life but it, it it's not for lack of hard work that's for right. sure it's like i'm unfortunately as much as i'd love to just be like oh yeah you're right i only get to do this one time so i'll learn i'll just enjoy it you're right my bad it's like it's really not that straightforward <laughs> otherwise yeah. mental health issues wouldn't be such a rampant perpetual pandemic like yeah yeah <laughs> it's a little odd isn't it it is a little it, odd it is but i think you know i think it goes into you know not to speak for you but i've i've had body dysmorphia issues as well growing up and uh even into adulthood and you know it, there's so many factors that can go into it you start questioning your self-worth and whatnot based yep. on relationships or whatever like mm -hmm. It, it's so easy to fall into to this just dark rabbit hole. And it's so easy for people to be like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, for you, you know, yeah. that's, that's <clears throat> always the, the rebuttal that I have, like for you, and yeah. it's not to be a dick or whatever, but for you, it may not be a big deal. For me, yeah. I've experienced things that have caused this to be a major issue. You know, yeah. I've, I've always been a little bit on the heavier side myself. So there's, you know, struggling with that. And you start looking at yourself going, well, if I would just lose weight, I'd be happier. But then you get sad yep. that you're not losing weight. And then it's, you know, like this vicious, vicious cycle. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's cycle is it, or like a feedback loop. I often call yeah. it like it's, yeah. And it's, and it's also like <clears throat> when people say that stuff, it's like, again, not, not to be a dick. But it's like, do you really think you're the first person to say I look good? Like, really? Like, I'm 32 and I've been dealing with this for a while. Do you think you're the first one to be like, why, man? You look great. Like, you you really fit. What's the, what do you mean? And it's like, yeah. it's, if it were that simple, I'd be cured. <laughs> I'd be fine. Like, uh, goodness gracious. And, and believe me, there's nothing we would like more than it to be that simple, right? Like. Yep. Exactly. Whether it's my depression, anxiety, whatever. If somebody mm -hmm. would just say, hey, man, it's not that bad. Move on. 
Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm good. Awesome. Can move yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It, and it is what it is, right? Like I, I've said for a very long time that I think the, the thing with mental health for me that I've kind of recognized over I'm 38. So, you know, roughly the same amount of time as, as you, yep. um, the thing I've, I've really come to realize is it's going to sell sound a little self-righteous maybe, but it seems like the more empathetic a person you are, the more, more prone to mental health issues. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard not to notice those trends a little bit sometimes, although <clears throat> being an empath doesn't exclude you from being an asshole, um, right. <laughs> but you are, you are right. Like um, I, f- I feel like a lot of the people that I know personally, Emmy's a good example, right? Emmy, Emmy uh, has been such, I, I like, yeah, I could say, I can't a, say a, enough a, good things about uh, it. Yeah. I could say like, I, I went through a, a very dark place around the time that Emmy and I didn't, Emmy and I had known each other for a, a few years before that, just sort of like, you know, seeing each other at, there's a festival in Brisbane called big sound. And like mm-hmm. my other band Wither was playing it. And I remember we were setting up one night and I, came off stage to get a drink and Emmy was at the bar. I was like, Oh, Emmy, like, you know, we knew of each other right. and we would talk, but we sort of got a lot closer um, working on her voice a little bit and just talking about mental health stuff as well. And just like hanging out a bit more around uh, like in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was really privy to a, a pretty grim chapter of my life. She was very privy to it. Um, and yeah, she, she like one of the the biggest gentle empaths that I know um and was was a brilliant f- friend and aid to have by my side during that time um and, and made some you know did some wonderful shit for me that I'll never be able to thank her enough for but um and then you look into her life and you talk to her and it's like oh shit like you are also like I think in a way it is kind of like, it's kind of like a bit of an Ouroboros in a way. It's like part of the reason she was so great and, and so such a positive influence uh, for me. And it's not like we were talking every day when I was really in it either. It was just like when we did talk, it was really meaningful and she really knew even when we weren't talking, she was doing things you know, communicating with my other friends and like making sure I was safe and like doing all this stuff. And it's like part of the reason that she was so, she knew, she knew what to do and knew how, or had a feeling as to how to navigate my issues and, and, and do what she could to help um, was because is because she has experienced so much of her her own trauma and her own grief um so it's kind of it's sad in a way i have the same experience when people come up to me at shows and they're like yo like you know your music really you know has saved me from this or you know it's 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 um you know it's the soundtrack for this experience to me or it's it's you know it, even if it just speaks to me or whatever in a way like that's really beautiful and that's positive then it's kind of sad because it's like oh okay so you're like me and yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> that sucks (laughs) like that really sucks like i'm sure you seem like having a great night right now but i know that this is just like a little window what what happens when you when you get up tomorrow like how you're gonna feel like yeah it makes me wonder like it's 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 a beautiful sad thing 
It really is. It's a beautiful, sad thing. Yes, it, it really is. And I think, you know, you, well, talking about Emmy, like it kind of goes to what I was saying too, where like, and maybe, maybe it's a causation in the opposite direction, right? Maybe mm. people that struggle with mental health are more empathetic because of that struggle versus the other yeah. direction of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting thing because Emmy and I talked about this as well, not to make this whole podcast about Emmy now. Either, this is, whatever. Red Hook's great. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a tool pass on this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like she and I talked about, you know, this, this um, ability when you've been through, you know, a mental health experience, whatever it is, this ability to see it in others and also like, like you were just saying, be able to kind of help guide somebody else through it. Um, they've got the song inarticulate and she, she has the line that, you know, strange how we all suffer together thinking that we suffer alone. And it's like, to your point at a show, like it's the happiest that a lot of people are mm-hmm. for a very long time. You know, like yeah. I joke with my friends, I say joke, but it's kind of serious and you'll get it too. Like, yeah, I'm never happier than when I'm at a, a fucking show period it just doesn't happen same and it's like you know like you're saying i wake up the next morning and it's like okay we're back to to normal life like i guess i'll get through today Mm -hmm. and it's this importance of finding the circle right like you found that circle with emmy um of these people that can help lift you up through those times and help carry that weight a little bit and push you forward yeah 100 percent um so let's let's talk you know deeping deeper dive into that a little bit obviously you don't have to tell exactly what the trauma is or anything but like no no as you've as you've you know worked your way through this stuff uh i know you you've said that you've done quite a bit of therapy you've done mm-hmm. electromagnetic therapy things like mm-hmm. that like what do you find with your personal journey like when those triggers kind of happened that it was identifying that okay, it's time to try this. It's time to, you know, like, what uh, were those building blocks for you? Um, it's, yeah, I don't, at risk of sounding maybe like dramatic or like victimizing myself a little bit. Um, I pretty much had to sabotage nearly every like important relationship in my life before I realized like, yo, like what, like I, I, like, I can't live like this. Like I'm either going to right like die um and end up dying alone young because i have you know pushed away so many people um that are you know that are that work very close to me and that i could call like you know family um or and you know i'm never going to be able to have like a meaningful relationship I'm, my relationship with my parents is always going to be hanging on by a thread like they're always going to be worried like all these things you know bell haven's never going to be able to function like i'm and you know, all these things kind of i really like it sounds so cliche but i really i really hit like the rock bottom um like maybe like two three years ago around covid um and that was it was like kind of do or die then um i I had lost like my uh yeah lost a very very close friend um and 
you know, to this day, I'm still kind of hopeful we'll reconnect. But nonetheless, that's a, that's a whole other can of beans. Um, lost a very close friend because, my, like, frankly, my mental health was just very difficult to deal with. I'm not a piece of crap, but when I get heightened, um, I'm very different. Like, I'm very yeah. different. Um, and I, I reflect on those behaviors and I feel so separated from it. It's so bizarre. Um, and I had lost a very close friend and that in turn meant that I lost, um, like my living situation changed. Um, I ended up having to move back in with my parents. Um, and at the time I was, you know, 29, 30, that wasn't very good for my self-confidence. Not that I, I love my parents, don't get me right. wrong. I'm very grateful for their support always and forever. But, um, you know, I really wanted to be out there doing it off my own skin. And like, I really felt like, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I teach singing when I'm not touring. That's how I, you know, make ends meet. Right. Um uh and i couldn't bring i just couldn't teach i started ghosting all my clientele um and I, my life just Im like literally imploded like it, it just shriveled down like i just had yeah. nothing anymore um and i became so like such a shell of a person man like it's really sad for me to reflect on like so i feel so disconnected from it now because i like it's not linear and i have days you know even yesterday i felt like pretty crap and i had like a bit of a, a shitty day um but to think back to that it's like that's a whole other thing that was like right. i would stay in bed all day uh, my hygiene was a mess wasn't brushing my teeth, like showering, like, you know, once every three days, it's probably gross, but I think it's good to speak candidly about it. It's yeah. like, that's, that's what, the, that's what real deep, like, de like suicidal brink depression really looks like. It's like, you just don't care. I was, I was vegan for so long. I stopped eating vegan. I just started eating whatever. Like I either wasn't hungry or I was binge eating like pizza or something and just scoffing salami all of a sudden, like just really, like super disrespectful to people like uh you know just short and not giving people time and disinterested yeah. and um and yeah i kind of had this realization like it was a it was a prolonged realization it took a long time yeah i was sort of and it was with the help of uh my fan like fantastic therapist and this sort of support this um i i, I joined like a post-suicide attempt support group that was quite new to our health system our public health system here i can't i can't remember, i think it's called hope um oh goodness i can't remember what it's called but i remember at the time i was like i was sort of being forced into it and there's right. me just frankly wanting to die and just being like i don't care about this and there's these like you know, I've got these two caseworkers that are coming to my parents' house and seeing me multiple times a week and getting me out for coffee. And I'm just like hoodie on, glum as all hell, not barely interacting with them, but they persevered, te teed me up with this fantastic therapist. And then with, with the help of my family, my partner, and, you know, that support network um, and my therapist sort of started realizing like, this is not sustainable. And like, uh, uh, like I don't, I don't, I don't need to die. Like that's not like that's not the 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 solution here. Like that is right. that is like a you know it is definitely an end to the story, if you will. But it yeah. is not a solution 
and it's not a it's not a comeback story that I deserve. It's not a it's not a um uh uh redemption. It's not the redemption arc that I deserved. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> and so that so it was honestly not until I was like, and I'd already had like you mentioned the uh, the TMS. So the uh, the it's a little bit different to ECT. So there's ECT treatment, which is where you you get put into a light sedation and then they trigger a very small uh, seizure, I think, something to that effect. And the logic in it is that it, I think it kind of like resets the brain a little bit, it resets right. the chemical balance a little bit um, over time. Sort of like restarting your PC, I think is supposed to be the logic. Every time yeah. I ask a psychiatrist about it, they give me a slightly varied answer, but I never had that. I did have what's called TMS, which I think stands for transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yeah, transcranial magnetic stimulation. So it's instead of going under um, any sort of anesthesia, I'd sit in a chair, and they had this really big magnet like on my frontal lobe and it would it felt like a rubber band flicking on my brain so they'd yeah. shoot an electromagnetic pulse so it didn't trigger a seizure but it was definitely doing like it felt like something was scratching my actual brain it was right. so bizarre like kind of painful kind of just like nails on a chalkboard like i don't know just like a bit kind of like when your hands waking up from falling asleep or whatever yeah there's like a needles yeah just real weird i don't really know. i think i describe it in a lyric in a song it's like um is uh is that a rub uh is that an open hand slapping on my brain that's the lyric yeah because it felt yeah. like someone was like like on my actual brain like right. peeled the skin out and was like <laughs> on my brain it was real weird um Anyway, I'd, ha I'd already had all of that treatment and stuff, but, and my experience with, like with my recovery and like with my journey is, is testament to just how important self-discovery and self-awareness really is because I could push all of my troubled friends into therapy. I could take them to see my therapist. I could do all of that, but unless they really want to find their way out of those woods, they're really desperate to like, they're, they're so tired of feeling that way and they, they want a better life. Like there's only so much that, that, you know, a support network can do. It has right. to really, or I, I'm sure in other cases, every, everybody is very different. I, I shouldn't speak uh, for everyone, but I think in a lot of cases and especially mine, I only really properly started to heal and recover and grow and develop more resilience and, and all of that. Once I, realized within like i i need to do this this isn't sustainable i am hurting people that i would otherwise like take a bullet for like i am i'm standing here being like yeah i'd take a bullet for you and then i'm shooting them like it's just makes no sense yeah. um and yeah it was like i would have been like 29 i think when i really sort of i i'm i, I can pinpoint the session I, I still remember coming back from the therapist and walking into the back door at my parents house and just crying in my mum's arms and was just like i i can't remember exactly what we were talking about but i was just saying to her oh i just got chills <laughs> I, was, I, I love my mom but we were, like i was just like in that moment i finally allowed myself to feel sorry for myself like in a real genuine way right. in the same way that like you know you have a friend they have an awful car accident and they they lose a limb and it's like you know you're not going to be like spending the rest of your you, you want to lift them up 
So you're not going to just like pity them forever. You want to, you want to lift them up as well. You don't, don't want the rest of their life to be about their lost limb, but at the same time, it's important to show that softness and, and be like, you know, like, I'm really sorry this fuck this fucking happened to you, man. Like this is this is really tragic and awful, and you don't deserve this. And I finally, for the first time in my whole adult life, my whole life, I finally allowed myself not to be like, oh, the world's so hard to me, and like I've had it so rough. It was real, genuine. Like, geez, David, like I'm really sorry that your story has looked like this. And there are, there are other things you could have definitely done better and managed better. And there are people that you could have definitely not hurt along the way. And there are better choices you could have made. But in that moment, I I really finally allowed myself to just be like, shit, like I've got a lot of work to do, but like, also like, I didn't really deserve this. Like not, I didn't, I never really deserved to to be like this um and i felt really genuinely bad for myself and then mom and i just cried and i think that was like such a pivotal day for me um things it's never linear but that is the day that i can pinpoint as like and yeah so i would have been 29 30 and after so much different various treatment different medications literally having my brain zapped like after all that it was just a specific conversation that i had with a specific therapist who just knew exactly how to talk to me and exactly how to funnily enough he engaged with my empathy that was how he did it he like worked in he was like giving me examples and and had me imagining things and i was very loosely engaging with him but just enough that I, that it, that it proper hit me. And I was driving home and I was like, shit, like, I feel so sad for me. Like in such a genuine way. Like I feel so sad for me. And I just, yeah, got home, cried with mom and spoke about it a little bit. And, you know, we spoke about what I was like as a kid and cause I was such a good boy. I was such a good kid. I was such a nice, gentle, lovely kid who just got treated like shit. <laughs> Like, because I was so small, like I I was a very, like I'm six foot now, but I was very short when I was younger, couldn't defend myself. Like, you know, like, and, and I just got treated like crap. And that was like such a, you know, as I was saying earlier, like I realize now how much of an impact that's those sorts of experiences have on who I am now and how I manage those feelings and, and how I manage confrontation and, and, and negative situations now. Um, so yeah, I think, tw- yeah, twenty nine, bro, like twenty nine. Yeah. That's a that's a like even like even if I'd had zero therapy that whole time, that's a long time to go, without really understanding the gravity of like your experiences and 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 understanding that this isn't something that's just gonna get remedy itself. This isn't like a scab. Yeah. This yeah. is like a, like a. a like, yeah, this is like a really burnt part of your soul that really needs like nurturing to be able to heal again. And like, you know, long-term therapy. Like. Yeah. yeah, no, I uh, <clears throat> totally get it. Totally relate. You know, I'm, I'm 38 now. I just started uh, therapy a, about eight months ago. Awesome. Um, so first, is this your, your first time first getting time therapy? ever in my oh, life. Awesome, yeah. How are you finding it? Um, uh, it's, it's definitely changed my perspective on a lot. So I had cool. two years ago, I had a near death experience, uh, wow. suicide related, uh, COVID related actually, but, wow. um, and ever since then, like I've, I've dealt with my depression, I've had anxiety, like as long as I can remember, 
-hmm. but post that near death experience was when I started really like deep, deep, deep evaluating stuff. And I'm like, why am I still allowing myself to feel this way? Yeah. You know, like, and to your point, like it, I kind of had to have that discussion with myself that like, if it, if it was anybody but me, I would not allow them to be through this thing. Bingo. Why am I allowing it for myself? Yeah. Yeah. What, like, why, why do I not deserve that? Like, why right. do I not deserve that? Because even people like you strike me as a very, you know, empathetic and kind person. It's like even someone that you might not super like super well, it's like, I can imagine you would still not want them to suffer in those right. really, really, it's like, you know, I know some people that I'm just a bit like, eh, I'd rather not really hang out with you. But if I knew that they were going through that, I'd reach out hundred percent because, sure. you know, and it's like, why, why can't we do that for ourselves? So yeah. Yeah, such an integral realization to have, I think, and may, maybe not for everyone, but there you go. There's, there's common ground for us. It's like, um, yeah. sounds like it's a similar thing. It's like really kind of had had to have that awakening within, yeah. um, and that was the soil to sort of be like, okay, now I can I can do something here. Now I can I can change this because I want to. Not everybody else wants me to, and feels like I need to. I want to. I'm tired. I want well, and, to. And I think that's exactly <clears throat> it. Like in hindsight. I don't think I was like fully intentionally or fully consciously doing it this way, but like, like you just mentioned, you know, people around you going, Hey, it, you probably need therapy or you should do this thing. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, some part of me was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to do it on my own. Like you're yeah. not going to tell me to go to therapy. Like, yeah, I, I can relate to that. For me, it was, it was uh, the one that like, I would feel like I was being targeted and like attacked. Yeah. Like, so even like within the band, I couldn't list like specific circumstances anymore because it all just kind of blurs together. But um, the guys would be able to speak to it as well. It's like, they would, it's such a juxtaposition now. Like now, uh, I'm trying to think of, of, of a particular situation because something happened over the, over the last little, we just did, to Western Australia shows and then mm -hmm. Southern Australia. And, and now we're back. That was just over the last couple of days. And there was something that happened. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. I was trying to, I was trying to find a park in Perth and I was having profound issues. Um, and you know, I, I'm just a guy, I'm not like a van driver. That's not like, right. you know, like, so I'm driving around this tiny car park and I'm stressing out. And I'm, I can feel my anxiety starting to creep up on me. I'm getting heightened and I'm panicking about it a little bit. And then I'm realizing it's been like an hour and granted we're like a support act. So we don't need to sound check or anything. They don't really need us in the venue, but we want, I wanted to be there and I wanted to be present in case Red Hook needed me for anything. Or well, and you don't want to run on stage with the guitars or something last yeah, second. Yeah. Like, hey guys, so, we made it. Sorry. I'm driving around for an hour and I eventually like pull over and I called Mara, our guitarist. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm like freaking out a little bit. Could you come out to the street, jump in and just be with me while we try and find a park. And we did. And then got out of the, got out of the van. Um, and I remember like kind of standing there with him and he was just like looking at me and he was just like, you're doing that thing. Like you're really, really distressed. And you don't need to be, I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm looking at everything that you're stressed about and you do not need to feel this stress. You are heightened. You're having a, like a, a heightened response to something and you don't need to feel that. And because of my 
like because of the therapy and because I've, you know, I, I have a lot more understanding of myself now. And I, I know that I, I, I have a personal personality disorder, pardon me. Um, and, you know, I, I understand these things. I'm able to take what he says at face value and be like, oh, okay. And it's actually really helpful because I know that yeah. he loves me. And I know that he's saying that because he loves me and he doesn't want me to feel distressed. Whereas rewind even five years and have that exact same situation play out and have Mara approach me and say, hey, I can tell you're really heightened and really distressed. I've looked at everything that you're distressed about. And I'm telling you right now, like your reaction does not match like what is happening. You you yeah. don't need to be this heightened. You, you can relax. You don't need to feel this way. And I'd be like, what are you saying? You're saying I'm like crazy or something. Like, what are you trying to say? Like what? And then I just, it would just like yeah. blow out. Like I just lose it. And that sort of stuff would just happen all the time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would struggle with is I would always feel like I was being attacked. It was like, I just wanted to not be that guy so bad that I would get defensive and the the fists would get, not actual fists, but, but like the fists would come up and I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not dysregulated. I'm perfectly normal. What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, I feel you. I feel you yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's a, a very common thing, regardless of the, the mental health issue at hand, like, especially if it's something that is prolonged and has been dealt with for a long time, like when somebody else, it's kind of like the old, like cliche thing around like a family member, right? Like mm. you can't talk shit to my brother, but I can talk shit to my brother. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's my, I know exactly what you're talking about. So say, exactly same thing like about. for, for, you know, myself or you with, with our issues, it's like, well, you, you can't talk shit about them. Like I can talk shit about myself, yeah. my thing, but I don't need you bringing it up. And it, yeah. it is very easy to get defensive about it. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, once, once that realization hits to your point that like you've, you've reached this level with everything you've dealt with, whether it's through medication, therapy, whatever, that yeah. you can say this person honestly has my best interest at heart telling yeah. me this. I can trust this person, you know? Mm. Um, and it's a really hard place to come to. It, it takes yeah. a lot of time and a lot of work. Um, within that for you, you know, obviously music has been a therapy over your entire life as well. So like mm. looking to that within the mental health space, like obviously you're very clear and, there's metaphors because there always is but like you're pretty on the nose with some of your your writing as well that hey this is where i'm at like fuck yeah. off I, we, i'm we, hurting yeah you know? I, I really do like to keep it candid yeah um and i i think it works well but with that how how do you feel the um like emma and i talked about this using using art and even Emmy and I talked about it some using art as kind of a, a cathartic, you know, um, therapy in itself, like you writing your songs and stuff. How do you feel that allows you to process or move past certain events or traumas? Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, thing to talk about because my relationship with that sort of catharsis has fluctuated a lot since Bellhaven started. Cause if you had to ask me in like 2017, when we kind of started trying to do something meaningful with the band and it became less of like 
you know, garage, you know, smoking right. up and just drinking or whatever and became a bit more like, hey, like, you know, we're doing something that resonates that with matters, people. Like, yeah. let's actually, yeah, let's let's make a record and, and really try. So that was when we did You, Me and Everything Between. And that was when I really, I, I started to shelve the metaphors a lot more and um, learn to write a lot more candidly. Um, and... Um, I lost my train of thought. Pardon me. It'll come You're back fine. to me. <laughs> oh, right. That Yeah. Sorry. The catharsis. So back, back then um, for me, yeah, it was very like, like I would bleed it out ink, ink onto the paper. And then in, in a way felt a little bit, felt like the burden was like, just felt it a little lighter. Obviously, right let's let's be adult about this that is not how you deal with <laughs> that, that is not a that is not going to solve your issues but it did in a way kind of like uh you know talking to someone about something you've been through or whatever sometimes being able to do that is you know it loosens it lightens the load um but then if we fast forward from you mean everything between to um uh time changes nothing the ep that we brought out was it two years ago now? Two years, it's two years ago, ago, yeah. So, and I always refer to that EP as um, the record written about the storm during the storm. That was not cathartic for me at all. That was literally me writing like a five-track suicide note. Like there's literally a, literally a lyric on that record that says... Um, it's at the end of the song mistakes and it's something to the effect of um I, I should be able to quote my own lyrics but you know has, if i'm not seeing every, it it's kind of honestly jarring i was gonna like, say every artist um, is like that when they want to yeah, talk yeah, about the song the lyrics yeah. don't exist but um but it's, i need to sing it <laughs> something to the effect of um these five songs uh these five songs will be my last i'm giving up like i'm, I'm yeah uh, it was basically me like and i like that was genuinely how I was feeling when I was writing it. And like, yeah, that was not, it was not cathartic at all. That was not, it was, it was more of like a, a plea for help. Like it was like, like I am suffering, like, please help me. Like, please, please, please help me. So my relationship with that has, has um, like with that sort of catharsis has, has, is, has changed a lot. Um, and now, like with the current music that we're writing, so I can't find the words, Grimace, like these songs are about, you know, pretty, ultimately pretty traumatic things. But in, in a way, like, uh, I almost have like, again, it's different again, I think. Like I have a kind of clarity going into the writing now. It's I, like, I still, I still hurt. I definitely still hurt and I have my moments and like Grimace in particular is um, it's sort of like about that time and like particularly about my relationship with music during that time yeah. um, and how I felt, how it felt to be, you know, David Delahoz writing that EP and, and releasing it and just feeling so like trapped in an industry that I, I, I had decided didn't want me. Nobody else right. had told me that yeah. I just decided that, <laughs> like off my own back. Um, but you know, I, I still feel very sad thinking about those things and, and thinking about those lost relationships that I'm writing about and like, I can't find the words and stuff like that. And, and, you know, future work that'll be coming out like same sort of thing. I feel sad when I think about those 
sometimes more than others. Some, you know, I still cry about it. You know, I, st- I still have times. Yeah. I still have to lay in bed and and talk to my partner about it because I, you know, I'm struggling. But, um, but I approach the writing with like a a a, a sort of clarity that I don't think I've ever had when writing about pain and suffering. So with you mean everything between, it was very like I was using it as sort of like a way to offload a little bit. Right. Um, time changes nothing very much like I'm in it right now. Please help me, dear God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the stuff we're doing now is very much like like this is this stuff has happened and it sucks and it hurts and it makes great art. And I want other people to know that they're not alone in those experiences too. And I want them to be able to connect and, and, you know, to, to know that maybe, you know, David from Belhaven has felt it different, but similar sort of, you know, journeys and stories and relatable stuff. Um, And yeah, it's like, it's, it's almost like it's, I'm not writing with the purpose of it being cathartic. It's, it's, I don't, I don't really feel like I need that. It's more just, this is, this is how I write. Like, I'm not about to jump on the piano behind me and start writing out like a glorious, like happy go lucky pop song. That's just not power ballads aren't in the, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's just not, it's just not who, and it's, that's not like internally in Belhaven as well. Like where we are in terms of the overall mental health, because I'm certainly not the only one in the band that struggled with mental health. Um, But internally the overall mental health and just vibes within the band, the, the, undoubtedly and i say this with absolute like would put all my life savings on it all five dollars um <laughs> like the best it's ever been like 110 percent, the best it's ever been but when, it, when we're talking about and starting to work on uh i don't the know how much project. to say the next pro we'll just call it the next project um yeah. the next project um and when we talk about it we talk about the mood and we talk about the vibe and we talk about what we want to capture and yeah it's dark and it's sad and it's and we that hasn't changed for us despite us all being and that's and that's not disingenuous either i often reflect on interviews and i, I i'm like man i've got to learn how to navigate this conversation better because <laughs> it's like i don't want to seem disingenuous either by being like hey we're actually like doing pretty well internally like it's not not a straight line right. and it's not always like every day's great but for the most part everything's quite good but we're still going to continue writing really emotive and and sad music that's not disingenuine. That's more genuine than ever. We're just yeah. approaching it with like a clarity that I don't think we've ever, ever had where we're able to like a song that hasn't come out yet. I just remember working on the lyrics with the guys and like, for the most part, I write most of the lyrics in Belhaven. I, I, I can't find the words. Tom actually wrote the chorus and then I sort of worked everything else out around that. But for the most part, nine times out of 10, I'll, I'll draft all the lyrics and then we kind of work on it together a little bit. And this particular song that, that hasn't come out yet is about something that like we all were quite privy to and we kind of know the situation very well. And just being able to talk about like the angle that the lyrics are coming from very candidly um, and and make, you know, make sure they, they, they honor how we want to re- represent them, you know, that they that they generate the right vibe and and the listener is going to feel the right way that sorry feel you know within a ballpark of of the realm of the emotions that we're trying to to produce um whereas like you know you mean everything between or time changes nothing it's very like um 
oh, this is just David just like spilling his guts. So we just sort of like, you know, whatever. Okay. And and I was the same. I I, I wouldn't want to change lyrics, even if I didn't like something, I wouldn't want to change lyrics after because it had to be exactly as it was. It had to be true to like this sickly, depressive feeling that I'm feeling yeah. right now. And yeah, whereas now, sorry, I digress. I'm rambling. No, but you're I, I, like um, now it's like we're almost able to, pause the demoing process and be like let's talk about this section for a sec like and talk just talk about what i'm singing and talk about what it's about and what it means to us and and how we want it to be received and how we want people to feel um so it's not it's not a manufactured feeling either right. it's just we have a certain maturity understanding clarity now with like with our songwriting the way in fact it feels more genuine than ever it's yeah. like it's not some like you know when you have an argument with someone you love and then an hour later you've both kind of calmed down and you're like fuck i wish i didn't say that i'm really sorry like i that's so not what yeah. i that's not the sort of language i want to use and i'm talking to you like i'm really sorry um and in your own mind like that's really genuine you're like geez why did i say that that's so on like that's not who i want to be like same sort of thing it's like when I reflect on some of those time changes, nothing lyrics, I think that EP is really important and it's an important bookmark in my life. And I, I wouldn't change it. Right. Realistically, I wouldn't change it, but some of the language that I use on that and some of the way that I approach and write about some of the stuff that I'm writing about on that, uh, that I wrote about on that EP, pardon me, I would definitely, if it were now and we were writing about those things now, it would be way more steady and way more like thought out. And just, we would, there would be a lot more conversation within the band about it. Um, still very much real and very much things that happened and very much stuff that's very personal to me and to us and, and genuine, but we just were able to approach it with yeah a clarity now that we've never had. So um, I guess no, like, Maybe that's maybe that's a less exciting answer. Like I want to be that 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 writer that's like, oh yeah, I get so much catharsis from writing, and it is nice. It is it is fulfilling to to be able to put those feelings and those journeys and those stories into a song and into a piece and into like a, a you know something that other people can relate to. It's it's really special and it's such a a special feeling. I don't know whether I'd pigeonhole it to being just catharsis though i think it's right. like a yeah 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 and yeah. i i think that's <clears throat> i think the people i'm i'm trying to choose my words carefully on this too the people Sorry. that claim that it's the most cathartic thing they've ever done i i honestly kind of question that to some extent as well because it's like okay either your bar for 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 catharsis is really fucking low mm -hmm. or you've not had as hard of a life maybe as what you're trying to to portray you know well, there's a little battle within that yeah i i can't help but sometimes just be a little bit like um maybe this is the pessimist in me but <laughs> um it's like uh yeah same, same sort of thing it's like i i feel like that that uh, answer that that narrative that catharsis narrative is almost like um a pre-programmed like answer that lyricists particularly lyricists and vocalists feel like they need to say right. um i felt like i was saying 
something, something, this was cathartic, something, something before I even really knew what the word catharsis meant. Like, I think I just, it was like a buzz phrase that I just kind of like heard. And, and I he, I'm, I'm the same. Like I hear a lot of other sometimes younger acts talking, using that sort of language too. And it's like, you're right. It's like a, either your bar for catharsis is very low and you need therapy <laughs> <laughs> or, or B like, yeah, like, yeah, maybe we are pessimists, Josh. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe we're just I know I am. <laughs> I know I am. I, I recently got my diagnosis. It's, uh, it's right here, as a matter of fact. So, oh, is it just, um, you are a pessimist, though. <laughs> it doesn't say it specifically like that, but it's pretty close. Um, but oh, no, I, I think, you know, going, going back to this triad of work, you know, since 2017, kind of, there's a song I want to touch on um, from uh from time changes but i think you me and everything in between is kind of the way i i see it and hear you talk about it is like you me and everything between is this pre-storm like i can see the storm on the horizon bad shit's coming i'm anticipating it's a really good way to put it and that's what it was like internally too for the record so very astute yeah. And then um, <clears throat> for time changes, nothing like, like you said, you're in that storm. Like yeah. I am absolutely getting the shit beat out of me. And yeah. then this next project is the, the like, Hey, that storm has passed. I can look back and tell you about what happened while we were bunkered in. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that's, that's a very, very astute way to look at it. And in terms of how it felt internally, like for the band um, that is like on the money. I could guarantee you Tom and Mara right now would be sitting here being like, yep, that's, that's how it felt for us too. It was like, yeah, that, that you mean everything between process. We, that was when we, we started having issues internally that were mostly me, mostly my mental health issues cause then dominoing and having a lot of other impact. Um, And then we sort of went on a bit of of a hiatus after that because of all those issues. And that was when I got the TMS, um, and that was, like I was saying before, that was very much me getting treatment because I thought that I had to and because other people really wanted me to, not because I I wanted to and I wanted to heal. Um, and then we came off that hiatus and did that single Forget Me. Um, and that was, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's like a bit of a prelude. It's it's just sits, it's like that weird, like, I don't know if you watch much Star Wars or whatever. It's like, you know, it's a that random Clone Wars cartoon movie that's kind of like preludes the TV series yeah. and it's after episode two and it just kind of sits in that weird spot. Forget Me is very much like, I mean, in terms of release, it is also in the middle of, you, you know, YMAB right. and um, Time Changes Nothing. But when I listen to it as well, I can hear in my mental health journey like it's right in the middle there because I'm like, that song is literally like, we wrote it in like three or four days, came up, decided to come off hi- hiatus. We'd been in touch heaps anyway. We we're only really on break for like, you know, not even like a full year, I think. But, um, and we were like, cool, let's try one single and just sort of see how it sits and see how we all feel, see if we're still gelling, which we very much were. The song is fucking awesome. We still love it. Um, but the lyrics in that song, I just like, I, I just listened to it and I'm like, yep, you, st- you don't, you haven't changed at all. Like, it's just like, yeah. you just, I literally went and got all that treatment and just didn't, it was just like, it was performative. It was like, I was doing it, wasting my money, my parents' money, like, you know, government money, like wasting time, people's time 
just because at the end of the day, I just want, I literally just wanted to get back on tour because I thought that was the only way my life would have any purpose. I didn't care about actually dealing with my mental health. Right. I just wanted to run away from it. So um, I listen to those lyrics now and I perform that song now and I'm like, yeah, bro, you and you, I wish I could go back to 2019, David, and be like, you're dumb. <laughs> go, go back to hospital, please. Like, yeah. don't release this song. Go back to hospital. But again, you know, don't know how much of it I'd really change in hindsight now being that I'm in such a much better place now. So, um, but yeah, very astute. That's, that's really accurate. That's, I'm curious how, how, like, and like, be honest, like, don't, don't fluff around with it. Yeah. How, how long have you known of Bellhaven for? Like, not long? I, like, uh, I, I remember hearing about you guys back when the Norma Jean tour happened. Cause I was, wow. to, yeah. I Cause remember. that was pre YMIP. That was yes. like, we, I had long hair down here. We were playing like, <laughs> do you remember the band, the chariot? Yep. Like, yeah. We were like yep. super into like that dirty mathy metal like yeah. going nuts like i kind of miss it a little bit but very different <laughs> right. to it was why was when we were like let's be a like a post hardcore like emo band like let's yeah. you know let's let's give this a bit more melody and focus but well so you heard of us back then wow yeah. so but, i i knew about you when you were touring with them um uh, kind of fell out of touch with it and then yeah. uh honestly probably Probably about two years. Ago. It might have been when yeah, cool. when uh, time changes that came yeah, out. Cool. That, like it picked back up, popped up on like release radar or something for Spotify. Yeah. Who knows where it came from? Yeah, um, cool. And I was like, oh, you know, dope. They're they're still around, or you know, yeah, yeah. In this case, but yeah. Um. So yeah, like diehard fan, not necessarily at that time. You know, moving through or whatever. No, but no, 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 no. Definitely, sure. you know, was was in the realm of like knowledge of you. Um, well, it's for, I just I just wanted to say like it's it's like uh, people like you like and and you discovering our music and listening to it and and now we get to have like a conversation about mental health and stuff and right. and then other people will listen to this and that will resonate with them and and you know like maybe they'll listen to to more music like Bellhaven maybe they'll listen to your podcast more and that will help them and and whatever like th this is like literally why we like why Bellhaven exists now right. like th this this moment right now so yeah su super appreciate that you over the last couple of years have given us any airtime like on your Spotify or whatever like at yeah. all um and like in and amongst your like mental health journey and everything like that's like that's literally being able to like connect with people like you is like well people in general I, sh I shouldn't right. say people like you but but like you know people that have a particular sort of lens you know yeah and their their experiences it's it's people like yourself josh that we really like we really 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 want to be able to connect with so um yeah i appreciate that you've given us any airtime at all and 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 we're actually down to have this chat today it's it's yeah. really cool really yeah, really for, cool for sure um the song i wanted to touch on from from time changes nothing is um hopeless empty lonely painful <laughs> Yeah. Um, yep, because, that's the one. Well, and and because it's Ooh. that one, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is such a on the nose, just point blank song. Like it there's yeah. no hiding the meaning to this song at all. Um, but I think you know, as a suicide survivor myself, um, suicide attempt survivor myself, mm. um, I lost my brother five years ago to suicide. Oh, these, I'm sorry, that's words, awful. 
yeah these these words um particularly the this isn't me just giving up this is me knowing when enough is enough is like Mm -hmm. holy fuck man like i know what that's like there's so many people out there that know what that's like and then you follow it up with and you can call me a coward for calling it quits that you don't know what it's like to be this over it like you know trying to not justify by any means my brother's suicide but like to defend it to some extent well oh, yeah you know are like oh i can't believe he would do that how selfish whatever and i'm like you've never been there <sighs> you don't yeah. you don't understand that like yeah in his mind i have no doubt he thought this is going to fix everything it's going to yeah. take pain out of everybody else's life they don't have to deal with me as a burden anymore yeah um and it's it's so heartbreaking you know that that so many people feel this way and you know that you felt this way enough to put it into words and everything as well Mm. um but i want to talk you know briefly about this song in particular and you know not that you're performing it every night on stage or anything but when you when you do go back and visit this song like where are you at in relationship to this song now as far as like your your view of it and your connection to it. All right. So um I know, f- heavy question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't be sorry. And and I've got to learn to talk about that song a little bit more. Um, because it's an important song. The truth is we haven't actually played it once yet. Um, and there is good reason for that. Um so it's it's not like a you know it's not necessarily a oh it doesn't work with the set because anything can work we're literally opening right. with i can't find the words at the moment on this tour which is like yeah. quite slow like we can we can do whatever we want we can make it work whatever um it's not that it's so i'm trying to think was it the first show of this tour um yes it was so the first show which was in sunshine coast um we so Bellhaven's small for on this tour man like uh, it's been a real privilege like every, every show I ask the audience how many people like put your hand up if you've heard of us before right. and literally like you know these shows where there's like you know three four five hundred people and you'll see like 10 15 people put their hand up like it's it's awesome like it's so good yeah. to be able to play to such new ears like obviously I love playing to Bellhaven fans too don't get me wrong but like it's really nice to meet new people and like introduce them to our craft and anyway so we went into this tour knowing that we were like small fry um and the first show was Sunshine Coast and we were maybe two songs in and we were playing the carving knife and I noticed like to my like right there was this uh, seeming, seemingly couple, I think, um, standing there and they were both, they just both knew every word. I could see them. Like I can right. tell when someone's pretending right. or when they're like, they really know the words. And these two like really knew the words. And I was like, that's sick. Like, that's so cool. Like this, you know, so I, you know, I tried to make a few moments where I would like deliberately interact with them because I wanted to honor the fact that they, you know, paid the the ticket price to come and see Bellhaven play um so uh that was awesome and then after the set I was standing at merch and um they they came up to merch and they approached me and um one of them goes they come up and and they just go 
like no high, nothing, just a little bit of a cheek, cheeky grin. And they were like, you didn't play Hopeless Empty, Lonely, Painful. And I was like, oh. And I sort of like, it's quite loud. So I'm trying to like, right. I was like, I want to have a conversation about this, but also like, it's just difficult. So I was like, give me a sec. So I like got out from around the merch desk and I was like, hey, listen, I was like, I like, we're going to play that song. Like it's going to happen. We're going to play that song, but we're not going to play that song until like it's a headline tour and it's something that we can, you know, really honor um, and bring to life on the stage. You know, if I, if I want to take two minutes to catch my breath before we play that song, I'm going to take two minutes. Like I can't do that when we're a support band on a tour where, you know, we start now, we finish then like, there's no, you know, we're there to perform and to warm the audience up and to, you know, to, to introduce people to what Bellhaven is and the hope that they might revisit it. Um, But you know, I was basically just said to said to them that like, we're, so we we have nothing locked in right now. We do have plans to do like a, a an Australian headline run at some point over the next twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, just lots of cogs moving, so it's kind of hard to figure out where it sits. But right. um, um, and we will undoubtedly play hopeless, empty, lonely, painful on that tour. And I was I was telling them this. And just as just as we sort of started this conversation, Mara came up to me, like memes and all, just like, "Hey, where are the van keys?" <laughs> of course, <laughs> "Hey, where are the van keys?" And I was like, "Oh, Mara." I was like, so I pulled him into the conversation. I was like, "Tell these lovely people, just tell, like, like I'm t- like, you know, so- solidify for them that we are absolutely going to play hopeless, empty, lonely, painful. Cause we've, we've spoken about it internally as well. Like we've had this conversation and where it's a bit like, yeah, we've got to, we got to do this. Um, and <laughs> I'm never going to forget this, this experience forever, man. And I hope that, I hope that somehow that person listens to this podcast. So they know how much that moment like meant to us. Cause we talked about it in the van after as well. But this person, so Mara's like, you know, uh, you know, confirming like, yes, we are yeah. de- like, we're going to do a headline tour at some point and we are definitely going to play it. And then he was just like, it's just hard. It's just hard. <laughs> like, it's hard for us. That song is r- like, that's hard, man. I don't yeah, really know how to put it's, it. It's, it's really a heavy hard. song. Like, and, and, I think honestly, to your credit, like wanting to give it the space that it deserves and needs, because, you know, sure, you could shoehorn it in to a set. Yeah. But if it's if it doesn't have the room with as heavy as a song as it is, and not even sonically as heavy of a song as it is, lyrically as as heavy as it is, to not give it the credit to the crowd to let them really absorb would be a, a it, it, it needs to be a, a big moment the show needs to stop for that song like yeah. the show needs to stop for that song because every single lyric in that song is so true like there is not a single exaggerated like you know i do a lot of fluffing on on stories and narratives and lyrics to make it rhyme or to make it hook better or like whatever right. and that song is there's i can pull up the lyrics right now and there's not a single lyric that is like 
an exaggeration. Like the first lyric of that song, I've had a noose in the back of my car for about three years. I, I drafted lots of different versions of that lyric. At first, it was going to be something like I wanted to sort of, because I did. I had a noose and like we did a music video for You Mean Everything Between song called Me. Um, that was the the song. And in that music video, I had a, a noose around my neck at the end of it and we didn't know what to do with it. So I kept it in my car and I kept it in the car as like, a, maybe one day I will use this. Um, and the lyric was originally going to be something like, you know, I've had, I've had a noose in the back of my car for about three years. And why haven't my friends tried to get it out of my car? Because a lot of my friends knew that it was in there. Um, but I don't think they really understood the severity of it. They'd like load stuff into the back of my car and be like, what bro? And I'd be like, oh, it's just an old prop. And they'd just be like, oh, okay. And just like, whatever. Um, but yeah, every lyric of that song is so genuine, like 110%, zero fluffing, zero, like oh, I wrote it this way to make it rhyme. It's all just like, it just happens to flow really nicely. Right. Um, but it's all, it's all very, very true. Um, so in this, in this conversation with, with this, with this, I, I, again, I, th I think there are a couple, um, we're talking about it and we're just talking about how, how hard it is and how raw it is and how, and then they just, this person just starts crying and they're they're like laughing a little bit at themselves for crying and they're like you know like they're expressing to us like yes i know the song is hard and the reason i'm, I'm that, that that weren't quite as eloquent because there were tears involved but basically we're just expressing to us that i i, I appreciate where you're coming from and i understand and it's that very same reason that you haven't played it yet that i desperately want you to play the song it's like that song has obviously as like very like yeah them. deeply affected this person and then they started crying and then mara started crying and then i started crying and then mara literally had to eject himself from the conversation <laughs> he's like he's like talking he's like i'm so sorry i have to go like and then he like walks off turns around and he's like tears down his face he's like so do you have the van keys or not and i was like no Oh. It was so, man, oh, you can't write that. Like, but yeah, like that, like we have not played that song yet because yeah. it is going to hurt a lot <laughs> um, for all of us. Like it is so not performative or, or an exaggeration at all for me to say very frankly and candidly right now that I'm fairly certain that every show of that hopeful headline tour that we do, um, that we play it, we will all cry. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in the band will cry every time we play that song because that song is like, I mean, for me, obviously I wrote it about my shit. Um, but then like Tom and Mara have been like my close, some of my closest friends for a decade. Like they've known me, yeah. we've known each other since we were like kids, basically. Um, or what feels like kids now in hindsight. Um, and so for them, it's like when they listen to that, they, they, they hear their friend. And when they, when we perform that, when we talk about that song, it's like, that's their brother, like suffering, like, and in yeah. so much immense pain and remembering that, you know, Mara said it to me at the uh, at the airport when we were waiting for our flight um, in Adelaide on Saturday morning. We're standing outside, 
getting some brisk air. And I was just saying how profoundly positive the tour had been, which is, which is odd for us because touring had been such a strain for Bellhaven because of my mental health in the past. It was yeah. just like every tour would finish and it's like, okay, is David going to live to see the next tour? Like what's going to happen? Um, and that's kind of what Mara said to me is like, he looked at me and like, we, we like, I'm sure you maybe have similar sort of humor with your friends. Like, like, you know, now that you're getting a little bit more on top of your mental health and yeah. putting that front foot forward a bit, sometimes it's nice to be able to like make little jokes about it and like, whatever. I remember Mara looked at me and he was like, he, I was like, you know, this tour has been so good. I feel really good. Like I feel, I feel safe and happy and I'm having a good time. And I feel like I'm not about to go home and have like a meltdown about like this particular photo of me or something like that. Like, I feel pretty like good right now. And he looked at me and he's like, he just starts sort of laughing. He's like, we did it. You did it. I hope you know that we didn't think you were going to do it. And I was like, really? He's like, oh, we thought you were going to die. He was like, we really thought you might die. Like this, like, and I was like, geez, like hearing that. And like, it kind of just brought me back to earth for a moment. I kind of forget because I was so in it, right. like so immediately and had my, like, it was my experience that I forget that that was also an experience that and people close to me also really felt um, and that they had, they would have had their own journey with it and their own experiences with it. Um, dominoes, you know, it's like a drop of water and it ripples outward and it really like, yeah, ripples outward and, and hits your, your circles of friendship um yeah. and mara and tom are like the closest to me so um i think for them that song reminds them of feeling like david will die soon like feeling like this might be the last tour that we do and i'm gonna get that call soon you know like that's yeah. something mara said specifically a few times i felt like i was gonna get that call soon it's like yeah david has died like yeah. um and i think so for me that song is really hard because it uh, yeah, it reminds me of that time and that immense pain <laughs> that I can't even like properly describe that I'm sure you can relate to. Um, and for them and for everyone else in the band, it's just very, very much like brings them back to feeling like they might lose their brother, which yeah. again, sounds like something that you can relate to. Um, so uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah. it's fucking hard, but but also like powerful. Um, and we were saying, we were literally saying it's like, what is it now? Like, like an hour and a bit ago saying about how like, it's, it's kind of like a really beautifully sad, miserable thing. That's so beautiful at the same time when people connect with that's with bands like Bellhaven and stuff and music, like hopeless, empty, lonely, painful. It's like, that's it's magic that that can bring. Like I cherish that moment that we had in sunshine coast now and I will right. forever, but there's also like a, like, I know that in that moment they were smiling and they were laughing and we were just kind of having a laugh and maybe they're in a good, good place now. Like I hope they are. I hope right. they're in a better place now. Yeah. Um, and that, that those tears were were brought on through like, you know, like thinking about something triggering and, um, but at some point, whether it's now or when the EP came out or somewhere in between at some point, yeah. that song has been playing while they have been so sick with some sort of pain. Um, and that's like, and my, like my voice has been there. Like that is so beautiful and exactly why I am a musician and why I like sing in Balhaven specifically. Yeah. But also that's, is just so painful and sad at the same time. It's like, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and it's it's definitely like a um it is a beautiful thing, but it's also a little daunting to some extent because now it almost feels like there that you have this responsibility to these people for the songs that you've written. You know what I mean? Like you've connected so deeply with something that I've written, and you know, it it's this like maybe it's my morbid way of thinking, but like the, the worst case scenario, what ifs, right? What if I wouldn't have written that song? What would have happened to you if, if that song didn't exist? Yep. Yeah. I th- yep. I think about that stuff too. Um, and again, like something that we talk about internally within the band a lot is like, I, I have, n- we have no grandiose delusions about Balhaven being the next, like, you know, uh, uh justin bieber sized artists you know like it's not it's it's not real life that's not real life i'd love for bellhaven to get to a point where i'm not like scraping skin off my bones to be able to pay rent i'd love that um but you know we have no grandiose delusions about how massive bellhaven's gonna get or something but as long as we can feel like we're changing lives like or impacting people and if there's a chance that we can save like one life and like keep someone around so that they can meet us and talk to us about that time that they were listening to that song. And it, it really like changed the way they were feeling or it helped them get through that moment or like, then that like, we're going to keep writing baby, like forever. Yeah. Like we're going to keep, like I'll be 50 with a broken back and I'll still be writing emo tracks. Like as long as there's, there's one person that's going to feel that, like, and as long as I can actually financially make it work, <laughs> then, then, um, yeah, that's literally why we do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that <clears throat> Emmy and I talked a little bit about, you know, um, with Jabberwocky for her specifically, yep. you know, being about her sexual assault and mm-hmm. when she went through it, talking about connecting to music and things like that. And she's like, I couldn't find a song that said the words that I, I felt. So yeah. I had to write the song for others. Um, yeah. You know, same thing for, for you to some extent, like obviously not to downplay it at all, but obviously there's other songs that tackle very similar mental states. Um, yeah. But there's a, there's also a big difference between, and maybe it's because I've been an emo kid for, you know, 38 years now. Yeah. yeah like yeah. there's a big difference between came, like, came out of the womb with a fringe, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like as much as I love songs with metaphors and hidden, you know, veils of lyrics or whatever, there's something oddly more beautiful when that's all stripped away and you write a song like, hopeless lonely um hopeless lonely painful yeah like it's this this the rawness that you're speaking of you know like i'm going to to literally rip my heart out of my chest and put it on display for you this is exactly where i'm at yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's so important man like it's it's uh and it's powerful and it's a it's a privilege to be able to do that and it also hurts so much and I just, I'm confused every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's an amazing thing. I, I like, I've spoken to Emmy about, um, about, I haven't actually spoken to Emmy about Jabberwocky, like the mm-hmm. song before that song was released. Uh, Emmy and I had spoken 
uh, about it's obviously not my experience to speak about but we had spoken about that experience yeah. um and like i can see it on her when she's performing it on this tour like it is still so like real and so um like she i can tell like you know she in that moment she is really like feeling that song yeah. um and because that's so genuine like i just feel like 90 percent of the rest of the people in the room are also feeling that same feeling like yeah it's a powerful thing it is a powerful thing um for sure yeah absolutely um so as we kind of transition to the end here um because I don't want to eat up your whole day, you fucking <laughs> Australian time travelers. It's the next morning what, for what you. What time is it? What time is it for you right now? Uh, ten forty-five p.m. Oh, grim! I've got twelve twelve forty-five p.m. Yeah. So I've I've yeah. I, I've got the. I'm gonna go to gym after this. So I got the rest of the Dude, day. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to bed. A shower and then bed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, but um, but no. So you know, thinking back through all of the the trauma that you've experienced, and I I don't mean to say that as a like you know a woe is you or you know what i mean it's it's no, not no. a condescending yeah. thing at all no. but like thinking back to your your trauma if you could go back in time to whatever point within your your experiences to tell yourself something a where would you choose like in that timeline and b what would you tell yourself yeah, that's that's hard because there's there's so many like real game changing moments, you know, that I could have handled very differently. And um, man, I I think because I I don't I like I don't know I really don't know how much of my journey. I would change because there are lots of things that I wish didn't happen and lots of things I wish I didn't do. I was saying that before. It's like, you know, there's so many people that I've hurt and, you know, like just like pushed away and like so many relationships that I've sabotaged. And, um, I, I you know, I, I wish that I hadn't had that impact on people i really yeah. wish that i hadn't i really 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 wish that i hadn't um and there's th there are things like that that i would change but also like i'm now like in a much better place not just not only for myself but also for the people around me right. um you know for my closest friends in in Belhaven, for my family for my parents who have been desperately trying to like protect me and look after me for the last like you know 20 years um you know for my partner um but if there was if if i could time travel and go back at one point in my timeline in my journey and have a conversation with myself i honestly think i'd go back to probably like high school maybe like 13 14 years old maybe yeah. Assuming that I, that, you know, my future adult self coming and visiting me wouldn't just make 13 year old me shit himself and like right. vomit and cry <laughs> and like panic. 
in a, in a world where, where there, yeah. yeah yeah in a world where 13 to 14 year old david is just like oh cool it's my future self no worries what's up um i'd honestly like uh, i need to take some time to figure out how to articulate it but like somewhere throughout my high school years through i know it's so cliche but like through all the bullying and like i was like se- you know sexually assaulted in high school and stuff and stuff stuff that i didn't realize was sexual assault until i was an adult um right. and you know just like really made to feel so small every single day at that school like it was an absolute nightmare um and it felt like i'd gone into high school with these aspirations to be so, so I, was, I was raised uh as uh like in a sort of a relatively christian environment my my mom's jehovah's witness which is like derivative of christian um i i am no longer but she still is but i was brought up in that um environment and it's a very like you know say what you like about jehovah's witnesses man but they're 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 love like that that for the most for the most part jehovah's witnesses that i've met are very lovely very polite and a lot of my uh my moral compass uh was fine-tuned by that community um you know, teaching me what, what is appropriate to talk to my mom and like how, you know, like just, I, I remember lots of different things. Anyway, I digress. I went into high school carrying that, that warmth and that, that gentleness and that politeness that my mom and that her community had encouraged me to, to embody. And that school just spat that in my face <laughs> every day. It made me a target. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't, respected or appreciated for being nice and kind and patient and soft and gentle and you know maybe feminine in some ways i was uh, like just bullied and beaten up and like right. teachers wouldn't help me like I, I remember i got thrown into a, a window once and like the teacher was like i got detention like like what <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, what i don't understand um and i i like that like like got like being taught for the first 10 years of my life that that was, they were such positive traits to have like those, those lovely, warm, gentle traits and, you know, treating others the way that you'd hope to be treated and and blah, blah, blah. Then going into high school and yeah, having just having that shit all over, um, just poo smeared all over it, man. Like it was just awful. Um, that really kind of like changed how I like felt about myself. Like instead of being like, no, you're just gentler and softer and like more in, in touch with your emotions that became like, you're weak and right. you're not, a, you're not a real man and like you're small and you're not masculine. And those thoughts started to devolve into the issues that I've had with like my body as an adult and stuff. And, yeah. and um, if I could do, if I could go back in time, to any point, it would be 13 to 14 year old David. And I would just do everything that I could to tell myself that like, yo, like those parts of you are great. Like, and one day people are going to really love those parts of you. You're going to find like a fantastic relationship that celebrates that softness um, you're, you're gonna, your friends are like are all going to be just as soft and just as gentle and just as affectionate and emotive. And, um, you know, like, I mean, we all, you know, everyone in Belhaven goes to gym. We love to pump some iron, bro. Don't get me wrong, but like okay. we're, we're a bunch of, you know, 
we're little cry babies. We love a little cry and a cuddle. Like we're just, we're very gentle. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think I just go back and just be like, like, don't, don't punish yourself for being like, like don't punish yourself for not coming to school and like talking down to everyone and being a dick, like, yeah. and not having the confidence to do that. You don't want the confidence to do that. Trust me, because when you're 30 and you see people still doing that, whether it's to you or to other people, instead of feeling like a victim, you just kind of feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. Like, like, cause I still know people like that now that yeah. like, and they just don't have anyone. <laughs> They're just lonely. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I think that's, I think, I don't know whether I would try to change too much about the, the, the journey, except like I said, you know, I'd love to hurt less people along the way. Right. That'd be really great. Um, and I'd love to risk it risk my life a little less that'd be good um but i think the the be the, the the biggest one for me would just be to go back and tell my child self like don't listen to any of these idiots at the school don't don't let them feel like you suck because you are different like because those traits are actually wonderful and like right. so amazing and so brilliant and you know yeah that's 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 what i would do that yeah. that's where i would go is i would go back and i would tell myself to celebrate yeah celebrate yeah. listen to jeff buckley every day instead of like <laughs> and listen to death cab for cutie every day instead of listening to whatever was whatever was on triple m at the time i don't know right um <laughs> right. that's i think that's what i do i think that's what i do yeah yeah. And I think, you know, the, the big thing within that, that it's super fucking hard to, to realize, especially at that young age. And um, even honestly, as you get older, but I had one of my very first episodes of this podcast was with a girl uh, named Sophie Powers. Um, at the time she was 17 when we had this conversation, mm -hmm. she's a musician and doing incredible and everything. Uh, but she had this song called Lonely Army talking about kind of isolation as a teenager and kind of what goes through all that but we were talking about bullying in, in school and I'm like you know in hindsight here I am you know 36 years old when I'm having this conversation with her yeah in hindsight it's so easy to look back and be like man fuck those kids like yeah they were they were Straight assholes up. and Dude. like Whatever. Those kids message me on Facebook now and they're like, oh man, like, oh, your band's so good. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, are we just going to pretend that you didn't used to like hump my head into the lockers? Like, it's so right. weird, dude. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, yeah. so weird. But yeah, that, that realization. I'd love to be able to like funnel that in. And on top of that, you know, the, the realization that almost in, I'm going to broad stroke it and say in every instance, but generally in every instance of bullying, the person that is the bully is the one that is hurting, you know, yeah. they're, they're lashing out yep. because they hurt and they're taking it out on yep. their target, which happens to be someone quote unquote weaker than them. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. It's kind of sad. It really <laughs> is. Really it sad. really is. And it, it, um, it is a hard thing to, to realize, especially at that age and be like, you know what, like, it's not me you're upset with or, or me that you hate. Like, cool. You know, I, I yeah. feel sorry for you. Yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, I'm in a similar boat with you that like, I don't know, obviously there's things between, you know, my brother's passing and yeah, stuff I was gonna like say, that, yeah. that I would try to potentially yeah. stop, but 
I think for my own journey, it'd be very similar. Like go back to a younger me and be like, you know what? The way you are is fine. People yeah. are going to love that in about 15, 20 yep. years. You're going to be celebrated. You know, you're going to, yeah. it's great. Um, yep. But just it's going to be fulfilling. That. It's going to be yeah. fulfilling to be this person like, and to, to, yeah, be gentle and to, to be that way. Um, yeah, man. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I really appreciate this conversation. It's been really nice to talk to you. Like it's been really like I, I like apples from similar trees, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Very it's been much. very enjoyable, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, it's absolutely. Awesome. Um, so kind of as, as the wrap up that I like mm -hmm. to give, even though this is primarily about mental health, we've mm -hmm. talked about music. Let's talk about your music real quick. You know, yeah, yeah. Do, do your traditional plug. Like what can fans <laughs> expect as the, the rest of the year winds down and um, which is um, weird to say in fucking May, but whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Oh man, we had like half the half this year was like all the touring was booked. Like we just announced a tour with um a band called Forever Ends here, who it's like their reunion tour. They mm -hmm. I think they broke up about five years ago. Um and um yeah, we we have we've we've had like this Red Hook tour and this like Forever Ends here tour like booked in like it's like I don't know if, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but I think like somewhere between four and six months ago. So like it feels like we're kind of like getting toward the back end of the year now because right. <laughs> everything's so booked in advance. It's so anyway, um, in terms of what to expect, uh, uh, yeah, I mean the same old, like, uh, uh, it feels exciting for me to say it because Bellhaven has been so stop start for ages because of all the mental health issues and stuff. Right. And the trajectory has been so up, down, up, down, release something. Everyone's like sick, Bellhaven's back. This is great. And then we disappear and then like, whatever. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. So, um, yeah, we're we're working very hard, and there's a there's a lot in the works. Like our our team is so great. Like uh, I'm sure you've you've met Ophelia. She's yeah. she's fantastic, and our agent Jaden as well. Like we work really closely with those two, and and um, to keep realizing our goals and and and. Yeah, so we are working on like a, there'll be some more new music this year. Um, there will be some more new music this year. We're also working on beyond that too at the moment mm -hmm. as we speak. Um, more touring, of course. Um, but we're also like we are. There's a lot of other things that we're working on, and I wish I could say more. But there's we are we are trying to think outside the box a little bit with some like, um, just a bit more sort of maybe not reinventing the wheel sort of thing, but just, you know, a bit, bit more uh, innovative content and not just be a band that just releases music and then goes on tour and has some merch. It's like, right. we're capable of doing a bit more than that. So um, yeah, we're between finding the right people to work with and, and to help us again, like continue to realize the goals and the vision that we have for Bellhaven. Um, there's a lot to expect. There's a lot, there'll be a lot, from us whether it be music touring or or other things right. um over the next two years for sure um and and, and then some beyond that i just my lens doesn't go that far right. <laughs> <laughs> like but yeah there's there's a lot happening but immediately yeah more more touring and a little bit more new music this year as well which would be cool yeah awesome uh so the door's always open obviously anytime you want to do you. these types of conversations again or the other podcast which is primarily around the music side of things. <laughs> awesome. We can definitely do that. Um, awesome, Josh, thank you. Yeah, not a problem, man. I've, I've greatly enjoyed this conversation. Um, Likewise. 
So for people that are hopefully going to hunt you down, if they haven't started following you guys already, uh, I'll obviously link all your socials, but what's the best way to interact with you online and places to find you? Oh man. I mean, Facebook's kind of dead, right? Like probably hit us up on Instagram. That's yeah. yeah, Instagram. We've started using TikTok a bit more as well. Um, I don't really post on my personal Instagram much, but um, I still do like use it. I still float around. Um, so yeah, that Spotify. And then in terms of like following us on social media, probably like Instagram and TikTok, they're probably like your, your best bets. We've got Twitter and Facebook as well, but what's going on there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Twitter, I don't know. Twitter's just for shit posting, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what we use it for. In fact, I remember there was a time where I was managing all the social media except for Twitter. Tom was managing Twitter because Tom just wanted to shit post all the time. <laughs> There's no better place to shit post nah, than Twitter. No better place. No better place. Absolutely, uh, man. Awesome, uh, David. I Again, I've enjoyed this. Thank you for giving me as long as you gave me. Um, uh, my pleasure, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely, whether it's me coming over to Australia to see you guys or you guys getting back to the States, like I think well, that let me definitely know. needs to happen. Let me know. Obviously, yeah, we'd, we'd love to get back to the States. I wish it weren't so difficult because um, if bands like Red Hook are struggling who are like, you know, doing substantially larger numbers than what Bellhaven are doing, um, then yeah, we're going to, Bellhaven's gonna have a hard time but not we're not not for lack of trying we'll, we'll work yeah. um hopefully we can make it happen but otherwise maybe we'll see you out here yeah, see you on this side sure. of the pond for sure I'm, I'm show you some scary wildlife i mean i've said australia is on my vacation like yeah. bucket list at some point so gotta uh, do it we'll definitely try to figure something out yeah awesome I'd love again that. really appreciate it man Pleasure, tell Josh. emmy i said what's up give her a hug we'll do. um we'll do you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. And I, I definitely think having more of these conversations and, and doing this sort of stuff is really the only way we change this landscape and the yep. narrative around mental health. Yep. And it happens slowly, much like, you know, uh, you know, if you go into gym and you're trying to like lose weight or put on muscle or something, these sorts of changes happen so slow that sometimes you don't notice it, but you being like, we're similar ish age. It's yep. like, if I rewind 10 years, um, I can like, I am a hundred percent certain that the landscape has changed still has a while to go, but the way that like, I could have never fathomed having been having like a conversation on a podcast like this 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think people like to think they were pretty open about mental health stuff, but this is a whole, whole other level of comfort and like safety and security in, in these sorts of conversations that I just want everyone to be able to experience. So yeah, thank you for giving me a platform to to talk about that stuff and continue to perpetuate that change and that growth yeah. and thank you for being such a strong part of it as well like you doing what you're doing is so so integral um yeah it's i awesome. appreciate that man yeah i appreciate that and like i said doors always open anytime you want to uh thank you me. know reconvene or you know whatever we'll we'll definitely appreciate make that. something work so Hell's have yeah. a good day, man. Go, go uh, have a good sleep. And, uh, have a yeah. good sleep. <laughs> I'm off tomorrow because I'm going to go see Blink 182. So, hey, that's lit. Yeah. That's awesome. Dope. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy yeah. that. Enjoy the snooze. Enjoy Blink. And um, I'm going to go pump some iron and get a little awesome. sweaty. It'll be sick. Yeah. Awesome, man. Have a good one, David. Right. Take it easy, brother. Bye bye. See ya. And that was my conversation with David. Um, again, huge shout out to him. Really appreciate him taking the time to have the conversation, to be that vulnerable, that open and honest, um, and really allow 
anyone that wants to listen to this podcast the opportunity to kind of see his his mental health journey and um, again hopefully learn something from it you know whether it's even just insight into the band and some of the lyrics that they've written um, or if you know you see a little reflection of yourself in his story and maybe there's something in there that can help you um, identify different triggers or different um, growth opportunities or you know times to seek help or therapy or friends or whatever it is um, again David is awesome. Bellhaven is awesome. You guys need to check out their music, um, especially if you're a fan of our other podcast or even just the last like four episodes of this podcast. You know that I'm really into Australian, uh, the Australian music scene, whether it's pop punk, alternative rock, um, some of their post hardcore metalcore stuff, you know, like there's there's so much good music down there. And Bellhaven's one that is definitely working their way up the list and you know starting to make waves and i think they're in this really cool position that um through a combination of their musical talent and the rawness of their lyrical content and their message uh they're really in a great place to be successful but not in the money grubber sense you know I, I hopefully they get all the money they ever need but um be successful in that you know they're i think building a very authentic uh and engaged fan base that truly loves the, their music and and cares about them as a band and it's just a, a really awesome thing to see so as always i will have links to their social media in the description of the podcast so be sure you go check that out as well um and yeah let us know what you thought of this episode um leave a a comment on the instagram if you're listening to this on spotify they do have a question uh thing on there now that you can answer i'm going to change it for this one though and it's going to be what australian animal freaks you the fuck out Uh, so I want to see some answers on that because, you know, Huntsman spiders are pretty fucking crazy, but they have a lot of just weird fucking animals. So, uh, give us an answer on that. And again, guys, thank you so much for giving a shit about our podcasts, um, the, the website, the whole nine yards. Um, it means a lot to us, the support that you give and, um, hopefully you're finding, especially these conversations to be helpful or insightful and just something that you enjoy. So that's everything I've got for this episode. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.